Oh man, we are live. All right, guys. So what's good, man? This is your guy Manny, and this is the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. I got my guy Street Scores in the building. The best in Washington Commanders content creation, y'all. I'm telling y'all. So, guys, once again, welcome to another episode of Talking Commanders with Manny. And I got my guy Street Street Scores with me, and we're gonna be talking about various topics from Deron Payne to Mathis to the draft, free agency, combine, all that and more on this episode, man. Let's get it, man. How you feeling, Street Scores? Now I'm good, man. Just so excited. It's so much to talk about. It's so much to do, man. This is, you know, I'm a GM at heart. So this yes, is, I, I have more fun during this period than the actual regular season. So I'm having so, so much fun right now. Same, man. And to be honest with the, our team, right? We're always good at the beginning and we're bad and we're good. And then we try to make the playoffs and we miss the playoffs. So it's like, Literally off season, this time period between the combine, the draft, uh, free agency, it's the best. Like I, I enjoy creating content. Last year I was doing my camp battles. So we're getting into that as well. After the draft, I'll be doing some camp battles and things of that nature. So it's going to be awesome, man. We got Dave in the building. says Rico on Manny's channel. Let's get it, man. Appreciate you hopping on, Dave. It's going to be a fun show, man. For those of you guys that are live right now, share this thing out. It's about to go. It's about to go. It's about to go crazy. So, Street Scores, man, first question I got for you is, man, what are your thoughts on the free agency tag on Deron Payne? Was it necessary? Was it needed? Do you mind if he leaves? Do you want him to stay? What is your stance right now on Deron Payne? That, well, first of all, I do want him to stay. It gets really interesting and difficult, a little tricky when we start to be like, do we want to keep Deron Payne over Montez Sweat, mm -hmm. over Chase Young? That's where things get scary. But for now, 2023-wise, I just know I do want to pay him long-term, figure out everything else out after that, along with Cam Curl. Go ahead and get Cam Curl out the way before he has this amazing season and then he's going to ask for more money next year. But the franchise tag, I feel like it was necessary because with us transitioning into new ownership potentially, hopefully sooner rather than later with free agency starting within like the next two weeks or something like that, um, it was necessary for them to franchise tag them because I believe the franchise tag deadline is like tomorrow or sometime mm -hmm. within the next couple of days. So if we didn't, if Dan Snyder in his regime didn't franchise tag them, then he would have been an unrestricted free agent come the new owners. And so at the very least, Dan Snyder, well, really is Ron Rivera and company <laughs> did the favor for themselves later. Right. The team is sold. Dan Snyder is still technically a part of this team, at least through 2023. You never know. New ownership may come in and be like, we need to pay that guy. And maybe right. they find a way to pay him long term after the team is sold. Man, I'm with it. It's going to lead to another question that I'm going to ask you. But we got some breaking news. Breaking news just dropped just right now. The Seahawks have signed or finalizing uh, a deal with Geno Smith, $105 million. For three Ooh, years. Okay, Gino. Crazy, it's wild. And how does that pertain to us, Commanders fans? Everything that's done in free agency is connected to us anyways, right? So what I'm thinking is we now have two quarterbacks off the market. Gino's gone. Derek Carr is gone. But keeping but keeping your thoughts on Deron Payne. Um, so if new ownership finds a way to re-sign him, that's good. One of the questions I had for you is how long do you think we can keep this defensive line together? Ah, it's going to get ugly. Um, 
one way I can answer is that it's 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 great to have a quarterback on a rookie contract. That helps a lot instead of having one of those. Um, even if it is a top tier veteran or even a lesser veteran that's asking for a lot of money, having a quarterback on a rookie contract does give you the opportunity to try to make it happen. We have Jonathan Allen for a couple of more years. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we get Deron Payne longer. Um, and then it's probably just going to end up being a fight between Montez Sweat and Chase Young at some point, maybe. And I would love to keep all four of them together, but it's going to be really difficult. Um, like you mentioned, we're going to talk about Fedarian Mathis soon, but I mean, he looks like he may be something and you never know if we just end up getting some type of sleeper out of nowhere in the draft that, you know, we maybe we get just, I mean, dream case scenario, some fifth round pick turns into a really good edge rusher. Now you could potentially move on from a Chase Montez Sweat, but I would really hope to keep both. I believe in both of their potentials. Montez Sweat is from Stone Mountain over there, East Atlanta. So I've been rooting for him forever, even when he decided not to go to Georgia for college. I've still, I, I haven't lost any lo um, love in him for him in my heart. And then Chase Young, I just feel like it's all there. He just needs to put it together. So um, I really want to keep everybody together, but things can get really interesting. I think in 2024 is where things really start to spice up as far as that goes. Absolutely. So speaking of Fedarian Mathis, man, this guy, he did really, really good his last season, and everybody's saying, oh, it was just a one-year, you know, like, like a one-year wonder, blah, blah, blah. But you got to understand who these Miami, I mean, these Alabama people are and what they do. It doesn't matter if you only get in one year of full starter production. The guy produced in his last year. So here's a picture. This was just posted today by Pete Haley, and this is for Darian Mathis out there working out with Deron Payne. So this is similar to that beginning me and Ron Rivera to where – but enemy can take Ron Rivera's job next year, <laughs> right? So here's what Darren Mathis being trained by Deron Payne is a brotherhood. The bomb, like you know, these guys they 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 really bond together. But this is a guy that can literally take his job. This could be possibly the last year of Deron Payne, maybe. But your thoughts on for Darren Mathis, man? I'm really excited. I didn't love him coming out of the draft, but he did impress me. Um, like going into training camp and preseason like that. Um, he definitely exceeded my expectations. Um, is he Deron Payne yet? No. Will he ever be Deron Payne? Maybe not, especially pass rushing wise, because he's not a very athletic guy. Great run stopper. It's kind of a different mold. Like Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne are better built for penetrating and getting to the backfield. But Darian Mathis is better at eating up um, a lot of the offensive linemen clogging things up, make, um, you know, plugging up rush lanes, things like that. So I feel like if anything, they complement each other. He's not a direct replacement, but who knows if Darian Mathis balls out, we'll see um, what happens to Deron Payne. But I just think the timeline doesn't even go together. Maybe if Darian Mathis stayed healthy this entire past season and then he showed us what he could do, then maybe you think about letting Deron Payne walk. But we got flashes of Fedarian Mathis. We didn't get to see him long-term enough for you to be like, oh, yeah, we'll just keep him, let DeBron Payne walk yet. I didn't get that yet. But who right. knows what happens in the future. Right. You got to keep your studs, man. Like when people that you draft ball out, you got to reward them. You know what I'm saying? So I love DeBron Payne. Keep him as long as possible. Keep Jonathan Allen as long as possible. I love Chase Young, but at the, at the, at the end of the day, we have not seen enough out of Chase Young. So I love – Montez Sweat, but he's more of like, I mean, he's consistent. You know, he gives me Preston Smith's vibes right now, but better than Preston Smith, he's more consistent. If you go back and look at Preston Action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, 
Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. That's a win-win to me. Like right now, you got the NBA playoffs coming up, right? You got NBA games right now. You got baseball games right now. You have all kinds of games that you can bet. So just lock in with us. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. See you guys there. He was good, bad, good, bad. Each season, uh, up season, down season. <laughs> but, you know, you got sweat. He's just kind of like even kill. He just does what needs to be done. Him being the number one pass rusher, I didn't get, like, dominant vibes out of him. But I got, like, man, really, really good player, solid player, but not like an elite kind of, you know, player. Chase Young has that elite type of upside, but we haven't seen anything. Do you think this year is a make or break for Chase Young? Oh, yeah, it could be huge. I mean, with his talent, I mean, talent's always going to speak for itself, so I'm not sure if we'll just let him just straight up walk in free agency type of thing. But, I mean, with that fifth-year option that we may not pick up and things like that, this is huge for him to show everybody, not even just the commanders, maybe his next team that he ends up on, if we do let him go, that I deserve big-time money. I was worthy of the second overall pick and things like that. So it's big. I don't think it's dire. And, like, his if, if he goes out there and tears another ACL for any crazy reason or has a down year i don't think his career suicide but he's gonna make way less money with that next contract and he's gonna be fighting an uphill battle from there this is like his last real chance of all right we, we, we still have a little trust in you you're still in your rookie contract show out now before things get a little ugly for you absolutely it reminds me of Clowney. Clowney just never hit that elite status he's very good he he's gone in and, and has been a nice number two a nice Robin to somebody's Batman. And that's what could happen to Chase Young if he doesn't ball out this year. And we're not saying that your sack numbers got to be like 15 or anything like that. You have to be a presence on the field. Even that rookie season, the sacks weren't like amazing, but guess what? He was everywhere. He's creating fumbles. He's, he's tackling. He's, I mean, knocking people out the game. Those are kind of things that we need to look and see. Can we get these types of things out of Chase Young? We just need you to be what you were your rookie season, if not better, to start thinking like, oh, man, this is the guy. Yeah, we made the right choice, too. Injuries always come in and kind of ruin people sometimes. But um, Command Center had a great point. He says, I really think Mathis was to replace Settle in Matt I more than Payne. I yeah. think so, too, because they were running, what, five defensive linemen, five, two or something like that. Yeah, quite often. Yes. Even sometimes 515 because Jamin Davis was the only <laughs> logical linebacker you could put on the field at times. David Mayo, John Bostick yep. with Cole Holcomb hurt. Sometimes it was just Jamin Davis out there, five defensive linemen, five DBs. Absolutely. And who was that guy that we got? Ridgeway. What John a surprise. Ridgeway. What a out. surprise, man. I mean, a lot of people had him ranked as the DT5 in the draft. Some had him ranked DT4 in the draft. So he comes in, Dallas cuts him, we swoop him, we grab him, and this guy right here, he's making plays, he's picking people up, he's tossing people, he's doing his thing. And, <laughs> I, look, I, it's like, you know how, like, the Ravens have had, has, has had, like, defenses in the past, right? And had, a, like, you know, okay, this is what the Ravens do, right? Solid defense, linebackers, this, that. 
we have a solid, solid defensive line and we continue to bring people into the pipeline. I'm excited about that. Like when you look yeah. at Washington and you say, what does Washington do well? They stack the box. I mean, they they I mean these guys stop the run, they get after the quarterback, and I love the nastiness out of Ridgeway. Thoughts on him? Yeah, I love him. I, I don't know what the Cowboys were doing. I mean, it's just odd no matter what position, no matter what player, even if they drafted a kicker, I believe, with their like, I think it was the fifth round pick they took him with yep. to just release them like within the first few weeks of their rookie season. That's just weird. That's kind of odd. Um, and then the fact that we picked them up, um, off of waivers. And I think, think what it was, they tried to sneak them onto the practice squad. We claimed them on waivers before he could make it. So, um, that was a nice little, like a little present for us from the Cowboys. Shouts out to them. Got um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and it was man, pleasant surprise when we brought him in and I, I didn't really know him that much coming into the draft. But after we picked him up from the Cowboys, I was like, let me take, take a look at him. And he looked pretty decent. Um, but again, just like Fedarian Math, it showed me more than what I expected after what I saw from them in college. So I'm really excited, man. And it's a good problem to have to have too many good defensive linemen. Absolutely. So my next question for you is solution at tight end. See, one thing that the commanders like to do, or commanders fans, we like to glorify these jacks. Just another guy. I'm not being mean, I'm not being disrespectful. <laughs> there are guys that are role players, and there are guys that are star players. We love our role players i get it i'm a lakers fan i love the Derek fishers of the world and the robert horries of the world but sometimes <laughs> you just need some guys like some guys man so at the tight end position i'm tired of hearing oh armani rogers is gonna be something one day oh remember simmons reyes oh he was gonna be the guy his RAS score is amazing oh we got the we got the guy that's built in the lab. Where is he today, right? Then, oh, John Bates, he's a good blocker. I don't need blocking, okay? I need more than that. Oh, remember Logan Thomas, the great story? He's falling off. Like, I, look, I'm tired of having these guys that are jacks. We have enough jacks. We have enough role players. We need studs at this point, right? So what is your solution? Do you think that we're good where we're at, or do you feel like we can add somebody in the draft or free agency? I want you to kind of elaborate and then kind of give me guys that you're looking at free agency-wise or draft-wise? Well, just our tight end group, what we have currently, what I would say is that I love the ceiling. I love the potential, but the floor is, I'm, I'm afraid, going into Sundays. Like you said, Logan Thomas, we don't know we don't what's know. going on with him. He took a step back, if anything. I like um, John Bates, but he, he's a blocker that can you know catch it if he's wide open, but that's about it. Um, and we didn't see much of a development from him. He's still solid, but it wasn't a big jump from 2021 to 2022. And then, I, again, with potential, I love the potential of Armani Rogers, especially. That's my guy. Um, I wanted him even before we picked him up. And then I like Curtis Hodges as well. Cole Turner's very interesting, especially as a red zone mm -hmm. threat, the way he was balling out in training camp and things like that. But again, those guys are all ceiling, no floor just yet. So free agency, if we're going to go after a guy, I prefer to go after a guy with like a vet, cheap vet, somewhat with a floor. You know, Cameron Brait may be available. I'm afraid of Dalton Schultz after the last time we saw him. Shout gotcha. out to him for, for beating the Cowboys internally, double agent against the 49ers. So I'm afraid to pick that up. But um, don't have a lot of names off the top of my head, tight end wise. But if we're going to go for one in free agency, just make sure it's a safe, relatively high floor veteran guy that you know what you're going to get 
the day he comes in until you know that Armani Rogers, Eric Bieniemy finds a way to use him, Curtis Hodges, and all of those guys. Draft wise, I love Dalton Kincaid. Um, I'm right there with some people that feel like he may be like a better, slightly at least slightly better version of Zach Ertz, which could change our offense. But of course, if we can trade back and get my boy Darnell Washington, that will probably be my favorite pick of the entire draft. Um, it's just I don't know why he's not liked as much around the NFL. I understand some people like my boy Keely Ringo. I understand why people don't like him. His tape is terrible. Love the potential, but the tape is awful, especially against no-name receivers. He'll shut down um, Hyatt from Tennessee, <laughs> and then some random guy from Sanford State going to give him five <laughs> catches for 80 yards like it's nothing. It's so weird. Yeah. But, like, Darnell, I don't get it with Darnell. I know if you want to say production, but it's just because the ball goes to everybody else. Of course, it's hard for him to be productive overall stats-wise. But if we're talking traits, he's the strongest tackle in yep. this draft by far. If you saw the little comparison of him pushing the sled, then it was like somebody <laughs> else than Dalton Kincaid. They were struggling to move at two feet. He just breezed on by like wet tissue paper. <laughs> pushed it like 40 yards like yep. it was nothing. And then the one-handed catch. Now, I can't admit he does have inconsistent hands, but he'll sometimes make those amazing catches one-handed or he'll just drop an easy one, which is frustrating. But I just think those tools, especially with the mind of an Eric Bieniemy, with all of the weapons that we have in Terry mm -hmm. McLaurin, Jahan Dawson, Curtis Samuel. Oh, Antonio Gibson is going to love Eric oh, Bieniemy yeah. too. He's finally somebody that's going to know how to utilize his skill yeah. set, the way that they use Isaiah Pachenko and guys like that. Um, I think Darnell Washington is just always going to be open. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't see yeah. a reason why right. you would – I mean, if you want to focus on him, then good. Let Terry McLaurin be right. open. So, um, right. I I would love um, Darnell Washington. I think trading back – unless, like, Christian Gonzalez or maybe a Devin Witherspoon or my boy Broderick Jones, one of the top corners or, or tackles are available mm -hmm. at 16. Right. Um, I think all of them will be gone. If not, trade back and please find a way to get Darnell Washington. Hey, trading back might be the way to go, man, because, look, I was saying this is hopeful thinking. Somebody put it up on Twitter. I said, hey, Darnell Washington goes, I think, early third. They said, are you crazy? It's just For me, it's just hopeful <laughs> thinking, right? It's hopeful thinking. <laughs> he's really going to go. He's late first, mid first. I mean, he showed up. He showed out. He has those traits, like you said. He reminds me of a guy that can be a George Kittle type of player. Why? Mm -hmm. When you talk about blocking. This dude is literally a offensive tackle. A third tackle on the catch. field. Yeah, so when you have him <laughs> and you want to run the ball, it's just an extension. George, George Kittle is so underrated towards what he does for that team, running the ball-wise. Like, he is one of the best, if not the best blocking tight end there is in the NFL. And I think this yeah. guy can be an all-around tight end. Like, when you look at his tape, you see, you know, a few catches here and there, you know, a little dump off, and he runs people over, and then he jumps over <laughs> people. But then you see him blocking. He's creating so many holes to where people are. Like, when he gets out on the edge, man, it's amazing. You see people yeah. scoring touchdowns following him. Just imagine splitting him wide, yep. throw a bubble screen his way. <laughs> I mean, it's like. It's gonna look like the longest yard when, bro, it was, when like he was dragging talk, everybody. This dude, <laughs> this dude might just go 16, bro. He just might go in the top 20. He's that good, I feel. Um, but wishful thinking, I would love to see him go in the second or third because I don't think we're gonna take him at 16. But if, if it's a trade back scenario where you trade back into like the mid 20s, late 20s, then I can see a possibility where you grab a Washington. Um, are you feeling uh Mike Jacecki? 
Uh, I just feel like um, he's good, especially out of the slot. Um, but if we're going to draft a guy, I would prefer a guy that's more blocking because I, I personally just believe in the talent of Armani Rogers. Um, I mean, we got to remember this guy, I don't believe played tight end at any point in his life mm. until like starting February, like East West Shrine Bowl before we got him as an undrafted free agent in April. At least Logan Thomas, I believe he was a tight end in high school, right. changed the quarterback in college and changed mm. back to tight end in NFL. Mm. I don't think Armani Rogers was even like a receiver tight end, nothing coming out of high school or college straight quarterback the whole way, I believe. Right. And so. Being that raw, and then in his first preseason game against starters with the starters, getting separation on starting level corners out there, making plays. Um, if Scott Turner could draw that up with Carson Wentz at quarterback, I'm just like, what could Eric Bieniemy do with that with Sam Howell at quarterback throwing to Armani Rogers? So I just feel like receiving wise, we have a lot of traits and a lot of potential there. Not much of a floor, but I believe in Cole Turner's catch radius. I believe in Armani Rogers' ability to separate yards after catch. Mm -hmm. I think Curtis Hodges has something to him. So if we're going to bring in like a free agent, like I said, I prefer a guy that's good at blocking, solid veteran guy that, is, that comes with a certain floor where – I like Mike Gusecki, great fantasy mm -hmm. tight end. Saved right. my life quite right. a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel like we have some good traits receiving-wise on this team already. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I can see that. Now, this question right here by Marcus. I hey, appreciate you hopping on the stream, brother. It says, what up, fellas? Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be a free agent. Can we move Leno to right tackle? Rico, before you answer this question, can we afford Orlando Brown? And if we can, what kind of deal would we have to make to sign Orlando Brown? It, it gets tricky because, um, you know, Spot Track has him like market value, $22 million a year. Yep. That's too much for me. Yep. Um, his franchise tag was going to be somewhere a little below $20 million, And for the Chiefs to cut him, mm -hmm. that means that they felt like they could get him maybe for cheaper than that or something, or maybe he right. was asking for too much money. It could be the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. um, I, I heard that the Chiefs tried to get him for $18 million a year last offseason, and he said no. So it's going to be at the very least somewhere around $20 million with his franchise tag is probably with his agent not going to accept anything less than that. Right. Um, would love it, but I don't think we're going to make it. I mean, we've still got to pay De'Ron Payne, trying to potentially get Cameron Crow long-term. Still got to find a way to keep Cole Holcomb. Mm -hmm. Ron Rivera already said that he wants to do everything that he can priority re-sign the guys that we have then free agency he did say he want he may not be all the way aggressive but he did say he wants to approach free agency in a way that by the time we get to the draft he wants to draft who he he, he wants a draft strategy to where they're drafting who they want to draft and not who they need to draft he gotcha. wants to go more best player available than um me and which i'm happy about that's one yep. of my favorite quotes i think i've ever heard from yep him. um <laughs> <laughs> and I just I don't think I think if they want to pay everybody and bring everybody back and fill that many needs in free agency, I think we're going to go bargain bin shopping. I don't think Orlando Brown is in our uh, tax bracket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this question right here from command center or this comment, he goes, I really think Washington makes it to the third. It's the only way we take a tight end early. Now, my question for you, street, street score is. How many tight ends do you feel have a first round grade? I have at least two. How many do you um, have? I'll probably go three because I really believe in Dalton Kincaid's uh, receiving potential. Yep. Some of the best hands I've seen from a tight end in probably a few years. Um, I like Michael Mayer's floor. 
Um, he's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, I love Darnell Washington. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you have some guys out here that feel like this is one of the deepest tight end drafts in a long yep. time and feel like yep. it might be five or six of them worthy to go in the first round. I'm more yep. of three. I see the potential in a lot of those other guys, but um, I really only have three that I'd be willing to take somewhere within the first round, honestly. Right. And I like Luke Marsgrave. I like him a lot. Sam Laporta, there's there's lots of tight ends that are in this class that could do something. Benson Strange, it just all depends on situation, how you're coached. And I'm just so confident that with EB on the staff, he can make any tight end look good. That's why I'm kind of holding out hope on Rodgers and all these different guys. I like them, but it's like I don't love them. You know, so mm-hmm. I just need that stud that's a threat from that tight end position. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what EB thinks. And like you said, we're going bargain shopping and there's lots of tight ends that are going to be available that are going to continue to get cut. What if a guy like Hunter Henry gets cut? That's somebody who's solid. Mm -hmm. I doubt he gets cut, but you know, I've been hearing things, you know, everybody's trying to save money right now and everybody's expendable in order to make your roster work. So it's going to be interesting to see what we do at tight end. Now, another issue is, the quarterback position. Sam Howell, I love him in the small sample size that he had last year, defeating Dallas. He's has potential to be good. He's very smart and he's very talented. You know, people look at him his last year in North Carolina. He falls to the fifth. Really, it was what, like the first pick in the fifth? Like, I mean, it's not really that fifth, like we think. I think it was yeah. like, uh, he barely just missed the fourth round. So he has that. Oh, he's a fifth rounder. Well, hey, this guy can play. But Here's my solution or what I think could happen. I see us bringing in another cheap veteran quarterback. I've said on my show several times, like an Andy Dalton, Brissett type guy, and you say, hey, Sam Howell, here's your competition. Go compete. You bring in a guy <laughs> that you feel like he can beat. If you can't beat any one of those two guys, you don't deserve to be in the NFL. So that's my solution. <laughs> you bring one of those cheap guys. You try to keep the cost at quarterback so low because that's your advantage. That's your power. That's your weapon. If you if you keep that position that everybody is paying, what, Daniel Jones wants, what, $45 million? Please so give some, it to him. Yeah, Please. give it to him. Give it to Please. him. Look at Dallas. <laughs> if giving Dak his money, Pollard gets his franchise tag. Zeke is getting $16 million. I'm loving these teams having <laughs> problems right now. This is what happens. So sometimes not having a franchise quarterback is not all that bad because all franchise quarterbacks are not created the same. What is your thoughts on what we do at vet or quarterback position this year? Yeah, so um, I do believe in Howell's potential. Um, And I feel like at the very least, even if Sam Howell for some reason is just terrible, I still say you go into this offseason, do everything you can to set him up to succeed. Get Build the offensive line. Make sure you keep all of his weapons. Maybe add a tight end like we already discussed. Do everything that you can to get the most out of him because if he doesn't work out, then maybe – you're within draft range of getting one of those top quarterbacks of the next draft. Um, As far as a vet free agent, I mean, Ron Rivera already said in, in one of those interviews at the combine that he doesn't care if we have two young quarterbacks on roster, he still wants to bring in a veteran option. He'll carry three quarterbacks on roster. Like we did last year, if that's what it takes. So we're bringing in a veteran. That's that's for certain. And with us getting um, Eric Bieniemy, I would have assumed we would have got Chad Henney, but he already retired after the Super Bowl. But I wouldn't have been surprised if we brought him if he didn't retire. But we're definitely bringing in somebody. You see Jameis Winston. 
Um, it's potentially going to get released after Derek Carr went there. That can maybe be somebody that we bring in. Me personally, I'm just like, if Sam Howell doesn't work out, can we just go ahead and do what we got to do to get ready to get one of them top quarterbacks next draft? Yep. I don't want to win seven, eight games yep. again. That's yep. worst case scenario for yep. me personally. So yep. bring in a guy that – um. Because I'm afraid that we could bring in like a Jameis Winston or a Marcus Mariota, and then we're we're right there at the edge of the playoffs, but don't make it. That's the yep. worst case scenario yep. for me. So please go all in on Sam Howe. Hopefully he's great, and I don't even have to think about Caleb Williams and Drake Man and those guys because mm-hmm. he has the talent. It's all there. I mean, I feel like the, the thing I take away the most from that Cowboys game is that with only 11 passes and not getting starting snaps – um, well, seven, 11 completions, not getting starting snaps all year to throw to Terry McCoy and Jahan Dotson with how accurate he was. And they were able to catch the ball in stride mm-hmm. with the very limited amount of time that he's had to throw to those guys. I can only imagine what he could do with a full offseason with him being at least somewhat the guy in a fake QB battle. So I'm really excited about how I believe in him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, the thing that could happen is let's say we win seven games. We are the king of seven wins. We are the Washington Seven Wins Commanders. Like, if that happens, uh, Hawk says, man, Ron Rivera is really gone. Yes, he's really gone. And, hey, deuces, thank you so much for bringing some culture (laughs) and some respect and some high character guys and this and that. But you got to go. I'm sick and tired of being, you know, seven wins, eight wins. You're so bad that you're stuck in the middle. And then you cannot draft the elite talent. Like we missed out on guys like Micah Parsons and all these different guys because we are in the middle. You're stuck in the middle like you're a good team, but you're really not a good team. Then you get these players. They can't elevate your team like a guy in the top 10 potentially can. So if we somehow don't win games and Sam Howell, let's say Sam Howell is terrible. Sam Howell is gone. Eric Bieniemy becomes a new coach. Ron Rivera is gone. Thank you so much for your contributions. I don't even want Ron in the building because if Ron stays in the front office, it can still be kind of funny. You know, you just need a new yeah, head coach. It's yeah. weird. Just get him out the building. It's kind of like, for me, keeping Taylor Heineke. I think Taylor Heineke should go just because if something goes wrong, the fans, oh, we want Taylor. Taylor's going to come in, rip off four wins, and we're back to eight. Eight and one or eight, eight, you know what I'm saying? It's like we're back to what we always are. And it's mediocrity. We got to let go of some of these things that's holding us back. I love Taylor, but at the same time, he got to go. If Ron Rivera can't get it done this year, you got to go. Eric B. Enemy, you're the coach. Bring in some more staff. I mean, Jack Del Rio, I don't know. I'm half and half on him. This defense really needs to either continue to stay elevated or like there can't be a, oh, defense took lost a step no it can't be oh the team had a slow start no 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 we we are tired fans i'm speaking for all the fans including rico we are tired of being mediocre i've been a fan since 99 and i ain't smoked the playoffs but how many years i ain't even <laughs> smoked I, how many playoff wins have i really even seen like we make fun of dallas we make fun of all these teams we make fun of the giants the giants these guys win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They yeah. win. They want a playoff game with Daniel Jones. So, I mean, we need something. Something's got to happen, man. Something's got to happen. Ron, so, Ron Rivera is so good at being average. He found a way to ooh. go 500 in a 17, in an odd number season. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's just, it's got to be on purpose man, at this point. Man, it's, it's, it's true. <laughs> it's true. So, um, we talked about Derek Carr going to the Saints. We talked about Geno going to 
the Seahawks. So now you kind of see some of the quarterback dominoes start to fall, right? Jameis Winston, I saw the video. He's about to be, you know, released, cut, things of that nature. The free agency class for quarterbacks was kind of weak. You're going to see some movement if Aaron Rodgers gets traded. So that whole thing, Lamar not getting the, the you know, not getting the tag or getting the tag, playing on the tag. So all these funny things happening at quarterback. Now, in the draft, let's say you are at 16. We know that Anthony Richardson destroyed it at the combine, but the jury is still out about him being a, a passer, even an accurate passer. I mean, Justin Fields, you see what he's going through. Now, at 16, if you see Anthony Richardson there, are you intrigued? I would love to, but I already know we're not. Um, Because, again, I mean, if you bring him in, then what offensive line? Unless we go crazy in free agency, what offensive line is going to protect him? So you, you might as well just go ahead and build that offensive line for Sam Howell. Again, I do believe in Sam Howell, but I do believe in Anthony Richardson as well. I think if he goes to the right situation, I'm one of those guys that believes he can be a really good quarterback um ceiling is crazy of course and i feel like his floor is a little bit higher than what people give him credit for mm-hmm. it's not high of course but i feel like a lot of people feel like he's just, he could just go out there and be completely terrible um i don't believe that so um you know good luck to whatever team he lands on um i'm pretty sure he would prefer to go later in the draft because usually as a quarterback when you go later in the draft you go to a better situation um, so for his sake, outside of money reasons, I'm pretty sure he would prefer to slide a little bit further, but we'll see. Absolutely. And then what if Will Levis is there at 16? What are your thoughts there? Oh, no, I'm, I like Anthony Richardson definitely more than Will Levis. As a Georgia fan that's seen both, <laughs> I definitely lean towards Anthony Richardson a little bit more. I feel you. I feel you. I hope he has a successful career. Um, but for right now, I, I'm a guy who thinks he needs a year. He needs a year to learn, get trained. I, I don't want to see him out there right away. He yeah, has neither. the physical tools to kind of like run away from. I just don't want to see him get out there on a bad team, no offensive line, and then you know how that goes, right? Yeah. Last year, I was the guy that was saying that Malik Willis is a two-year project. But no. Nobody believed me. They saw him at the combine, and he's throwing pretty balls to nobody. He's throwing pretty balls to the air, right? Oh, man, he looks good. Oh, look at the arm talent. Look at this. Look at that. We get into the draft. This guy goes in the third round, and I'm like, hmm. He finally gets into the game, and you kind of see, you know, I mean, come on, man. Liberty. Liberty to the NFL is a tough jump. I think that Malik Willis will be okay. I don't know if he'll be a starter. I don't know if he'll be a star, but I've always said that he needed two years. and. Looking at Richardson, I think he needs just a year just to kind of just learn. Then when you get out there, you have all the tools. And honestly, the best thing that happened to Sam Howell was him waiting until, what, week 18 to play because he really got to sit back, take all these reps in practice. It was repetition, really, really learning the playbook. And I really think that that helped him to get to where he is now. Thoughts? Yeah, um, I would have preferred because I feel like him instead of Taylor Heineke, maybe we make the playoffs. So maybe at that Chicago Bears section. Mm. I do admit, though, I think like the, the next game after Carson Wentz got hurt against the Bears was the Packers. Taylor Heineke won that game. I'm not sure if Sam Howe wins you that game because he's probably too raw. But I think by the time we get to the Giants, he's ready. Um, Because I feel like he has a higher floor than what uh, a lot of people feel like he had coming out of college and things like that. So I feel like by the time we got to those Giants games with the bye week in between, 
he would have been better than Taylor Heineke. But yeah, I think like going into that Packers game, Taylor Heineke probably was the better quarterback for the situation. But I say just go ahead and throw Sam Howell out there and see what he can do type of thing. But I do ultimately feel like um, waiting as long as we did did probably benefit him in the long run because again he looked really good against the Cowboys. Yep. Still made some rookie mistakes here yeah. and there. He wasn't perfect, but I just felt like it was better than anything I've seen all season from all the other season. guys. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> man. It's like one of those things where we don't truly know, right? What if he comes yeah. in earlier? How does he look? And then yeah. if he's terrible, you cannot now go back to you know Taylor. Like you've you've made once you've made that move. That's your guy the rest of the way. You can't say, oh, okay, Carson gets hurt. You go Taylor. Okay, Taylor's struggling. Okay, here you go, Sam. And then Sam come, you know, then, oh, Wentz is back. Then you go Wentz. Then where did you go? Like, you know, so it's one of those things where I think when Ron made that move, if you was going to make that move to Sam Howell, it kind of shows like, okay, we're building for the future with potential. Yeah. Maybe we win. Maybe So you just can't go back. You know, and if you go back, you have destroyed Sam Howell forever. He will never be the same, oh, at least yeah. not on this team. So yeah. uh, I'm just kind of glad that it, it just worked out that way to where, okay, this is our guy going into the offseason. No more vets. Like, I was out on car. I was out on so many of these vets because what I same. see happens, maybe it's just to Washington. When these guys come to Washington, they either get hurt or they forget how to play. <laughs> Alex Smith, uh, uh, what Fitzpatrick, man. I mean, Carson Wentz. I mean, it's just been a curse at quarterback to where you know what? Rock with Sam Howell for a year or two, man. At this point, man, at this point, it couldn't hurt, man. It couldn't hurt. Let's see what, what, what we have at the end of the day. He can either be a solid starter or he can be a solid backup with us trying to find the guy next year. So, my next question for you is let's talk combine a little bit. Okay. It was exciting, man. It was exciting. I'm going to pull up some names for you, but just overall, what players caught your eyes? Uh, well, of course, I was rooting for my Georgia Bulldogs heavy. Um, and I felt like a lot of them did very well. So I'm really, and then Nolan Smith going up there with his little speech about we got this kitchen, we got the new restaurant, we got this locker room facilities. I love the pitch for recruiting. I'm really heavy into recruiting right now. It's 2024, 2025 class on it every day. Um, but outside of my Georgia Bulldogs, who I do feel like Darnell Washington is a good fit and Nolan Smith probably tested himself into the first round. If he was a later pick, I would have liked to have tried to take him, but he's not making it probably outside of the first round at this point. Um, but outside of my Georgia guys, I loved what I saw from Christian Gonzalez. Um, I mean, I, we kind of expected him to run fast coming into the combine, but he ran a little bit faster than even I expected. Um, I was surprised by uh, Peter Skaronsky's, uh, I think it was his vertical, there was uh, or broad jump, I think it was the vertical, there was a little bit higher than I expected as well, a little bit more explosion there than I expected. Um, oh, all, commanders-wise, even though it is a Georgia Bulldog, Broderick Jones running the fastest 40 time out of all offensive linemen. I mean, the ceiling is there, it's always been there, didn't allow a sack at all the entire season last year in the SEC against Ohio State, all of these top competitions, so... I feel like he did himself some favors as well. Um, Anthony Richardson had a lot of highlights, and I'm a big Anthony Richardson fan. But okay. CJ Stroud just looked so smooth and consistent out there. I felt like um, I mean, he was already going top three anyway. But, right, I mean, right. after that performance, after him going back and forth with Anthony Richardson, you saw the oohs and ahs with Anthony Richardson. But mm -hmm. then you saw a professional-looking quarterback a mature quarterback with CJ Stroud. It was a difference. And for like, he made a lot of gum. Um, I saw two Maryland uh, corners 
tested Man. very well. They probably made themselves some money as well. Um, Man. so shouts out to Maryland for the talent there. Um it's just so me. It was a really fun combine, man. It was so exciting. I like the new schedule where they start later, like the mm-hmm. quarterbacks with the receivers and all of that. It was really fun, man. Yeah, man. There's a linebacker. I'm looking for his name. Uh, he met formerly with the Commanders. Um, he's so a coverage Dayon guy. Henley? Yes, Henley, yes, maybe? yes. Talk yeah, to I me about him, him man. I Talk to him. me about him. Well, he was a receiver his first three years in college. The reason a lot of people don't know about him is because he moved the linebacker his senior mm-hmm. season. Popped a lot, shined a lot, had a lot of high moments. Of course, with you going from receiver to linebacker, going to the quarterback of the defense, of course he's made his fair share of mistakes in his senior Mm -hmm. season. Still raw in a lot of areas, but the potential is there, man. I love Dayon Henley. I've mocked him to us, I believe, in like two mock drafts. I really want this guy so bad. I mean, the potential. He's a first-round talent that's going to go into like the third or fourth round just simply because – People may not trust how raw he is, but I felt like his learning curve was quicker than it should have been, even though he's yep. not there yet. Yeah. What he did in one season as a linebacker was better than most people do in one season as a linebacker. Yes, sir. So I would take that risk on him in the middle of the draft for sure. Absolutely. Would you take him in the second round? <sighs> <laughs> That's banking on a lot of potential there, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. My thing is, it just depends on what happens with offensive line and corner. I feel like the first two rounds should be offensive line and corner. I, I mean, agree. if you trade back and get my boy Darnell Washington, that would be nice. But I feel like you get offensive line in the first, get corner in the second, get corner in the first, get offensive line in the second. So that's where my problem is with linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. But I, I don't know. I may be, depending on what the buzz is like leading right. up to the draft, um, depending on what he may do at his pro day, maybe. I'm about to give you a crazy scenario. Let's say for some odd reason we're able to go offensive line. Let's say tackle. Uh-huh. In free agency. Okay. And this is crazy. I mean, I've had all kinds of people say, hey, Manny, no, this is not happening. This never happened. What if the commanders take B. John Robinson at 16 and then go best uh-huh. available corner? or whatever in the second round. How do you feel about that? Is this a crazy scenario? I'm not saying that they will. How do you feel about that? That's funny. I mean, if anything, I feel like the biggest victory in that is playing keep away from the Eagles because I'm really afraid that the Eagles are going to find a way to get him, and they're just going to be right back in the Super Bowl. (laughs) You know, I mean, the running back position has died down. It's it's devalued a little bit. But he's one of the ones that, like, 10 years ago, he's going top five pick. He's that good. Um, The only reason he's not, again, is because running backs just aren't as highly valued as they used to be. Um, So I feel like that's the biggest benefit to that. But I love Antonio Gibson. I believe in his talent. A lot. I like Brian Robinson a lot. I feel like if anything, maybe bring in a JD McKissick replacement later in the draft. Mm-hmm. I like Jared Patterson a lot too, but right. the commanders have shown that they just they don't love him that much. He only gets out there after Jonathan Williams, so they clearly don't value him that much. So just ignoring Jared Patterson, I would get like maybe a third down passing back later in the draft, like sixth or seventh round. But mm-hmm. nah, no thanks for Bijan Robinson in the first round. I'm <laughs> just hoping. You. Somewhere outside of the NFC, especially the NFC East, please, please yeah. go to the AFC somewhere. Please. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. You know, with all these, uh, uh, you know, backs getting cut for net and then Derrick Henry's yeah. being shopped right now. So a lot, yeah. it's going to be a lot of shakeups. And as we are praying that, you know, the NFC East don't get better running back wise, Saquon is going to hit free agency. So he's leaving most likely. 
but then they could be adding a Derrick Henry. Like they could be, I mean, I'm just saying, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I do not want a scenario where Derrick Henry ends up on the Eagles. I'm going to hate it. Like the Eagles cannot end up with any running back of such. You know, I think he's only eleven mil too. So Saquon Barkley is going to be almost probably double with yeah. with Derrick Henry's worth this season alone. Man, it's 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 crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And then in the draft, I love guys like Chabernet. I know that Commanders don't need a running back in the draft, but there's some guys that I like. I like Chabernet. I love even a guy like Tajay Spears. Whoo! Talk about explosive from Tulane, yeah. like. There's like this back class is so rich, and and sometimes it makes me sad that we took a Brian Robinson last year when we could have attacked running back in this draft. But I do love Brian Robinson Jr. It's just sometimes, I'm, but the backs that are coming out, like you're gonna get some guys in the third, fourth round that are gonna be starters for a very long time. There's gonna be guys that possibly fall because of you know off the off the field issues, kind of like how Kareem Hunt fell. So yeah. there's there's also that scenario as well, but it's a deep class. I love the uh, the wide receivers are okay. We don't need any of those, but yeah, our focus is offensive line and corner. Uh, it's just it's just it's just fun to dream sometimes. That's the fun thing about the off season. You just kind of dream and just think of ah different scenarios, and then when you finally see what the team has, has actually come up with, you're like, nah, this isn't my plan. This wasn't my mock draft. I mock drafted a hundred times. There is no way Mathis went in the second round, right? Oh, there is no way the commanders trade to 16 and not wait. You telling me Olave was there and we didn't take Olave and we traded back <laughs> and got Dotson. Oh man, why did we get Dotson? Oh man, Dotson is nice. Oh, we love this yeah, guy. Yeah. Oh man, he was always my number one guy. I was trying to tell y'all about Dotson. Like us fans, <laughs> it's it's funny. I actually did have Dotson on my list, so. I wasn't mad when we traded back because you're getting an Olave type player, but they're slight. I mean, they're they are different. They are very different. Jahan Dotson is a dog. I mean, let's talk about what we have in house for now, man. Like I mm. think outside of defensive line, another strength that we have is the wide receiving group. Like, how do you feel the enemy can make these guys better, or how can he unlock these guys? Thoughts? Well. First of all, I feel like he's going to be extremely happy when he sees those guys hit the field because we don't have Travis Kelsey, but just wide receiver to wide receiver wise, our receivers are way better than what the Chiefs had. And so I feel like Eric Bieniemy is going to do a great job of adjusting to that. Again, no Travis Kelsey, but you can, you know, get some production out of the tight end group. And when he sees Terry McLaurin and, and, and Jahan Dawson and Curtis Samuel flying around it the way that they will, um, I feel like he's going to fall in love with those guys. I think he's going to get a lot out of them. Mm -hmm. Ron Rivera even preached before we hired Eric Bieniemy what he was looking for in the defensive coordinator was a guy that can get um, the playmakers the ball into a lot of yak opportunities and things like that. And Eric Bieniemy has shown that he can do that very well with getting his playmakers the ball. No matter what, mm -hmm. Tyreek Hill is going to get the ball. No matter what, uh, Travis Kelsey is going to get the ball. Um, I mean, I've always said for years now, even before Eric Bieniemy. A Chiefs running back, it doesn't matter who it is, get them at some point in free agency because it doesn't matter if it's me out there as the Chiefs running back. <laughs> They're right. going to produce. They're going to get themselves a, a touchdown reception, maybe a rushing touchdown, mm -hmm. maybe like 80 yards total between rushing and receiving, and that's a good day for a fantasy running back. And I'm just hoping that Eric Benemy brings that same level of production where no matter what, somebody's going to be producing. And I feel like he's going to do a better job than Scott Turner of actually getting everybody the ball. One of my main problems with Scott Turner is that he used Terry McLaurin as a distraction more than trying to just get him the ball. I'm like, he's Man. your best player. 
Stop acting like, okay, yeah, he's double-teamed this way, right. so you want to get it to other guys. But find a way to get him open because the Lions had no problem getting the Monroe St. Brown open right. against us. Whether <laughs> right. it was out of the backfield, we knew who they wanted to throw to mm-hmm. every chance they could, and right, we still right. couldn't defend it with a really good defense. So mm-hmm. I just feel like it's no excuse, and I think Eric Benny will, will be uh, successful with that. Absolutely. And I love that Eric B. is a former running back, a guy who coaches running backs. He's a running back. So I, 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 I've told everybody, you're going to see a lot of balance between pass and run. He's going to put people in positions to win. Now, Curtis Samuel could be expendable with Dayami Brown. Let's just say, he, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas because we have a lot of people to pay. And you've invested already in Terry, big money, and then draft capital, first round in Jahan Dotson. Do you Mm -hmm. think that Curtis Samuel is expendable this year? Or do you think the team is really going to try to use them and, you know, get the best out of Curtis Samuel? Yeah, I think they're going to try to get the best. Because there were some games where Scott Turner just seemed to unlock them. Mm -hmm. Then there were other games where it just seemed like he forgot to get them the ball. Or like one of those games where we just kept handing it to him out of the backfield, three-yard loss every time. Like, do we forget that Curtis Samuel can be a thousand-yard receiver if we want him to be? Um, And I I feel like Eric Bieniemy again, the closest thing that he has to Isaiah Pachinko is probably Curtis Samuel. Antonio Gibson probably in second place right behind him. So I think Eric Bieniemy. Um, as far as making a smooth transition with a whole lot of new pieces, I feel like he's going to look at Curtis Samuel like his little consistent floor, dependable guy that, okay, I already know what to do with you. We got to figure out what to do with Terry and maybe some of these other guys, Antonio Gibson, but I know what to do with you. And I feel like at the very least, Curtis Samuel is going to ball out in uh, Eric Benjamin's offense. We, but to your point, we, we are going to have to pay him in the 2024 offseason. That's going to be really interesting. Man. Now, my question for you is, as great as Curtis Samuel is, right, with, you know, being in space and things of that nature, why not use him in the return game? I, I think he's just... getting... Oh, you about to say? I mean, I, I, I get he's getting paid, but my goodness. I mean, if we can use Gibson as a kickoff returner, we should be able to use a Curtis Samuel as a punt return i mean we need something like you can't have all these all these receivers on our squad and i'm not talking about cam sims or even dax mill that is gone we need somebody returning punts and kickoffs like i mean we need something man we need a game changer because that's a big part of the team specials i mean teams is teams is very very important thoughts on that yeah i mean dax mill is nice because he doesn't muff the punt but I mean, I call him automatic fair catch. It doesn't matter if he fair catches it or not. He's not going anywhere. It's like right. he might as well have anyway. I, I do want to bring some explosion back. I would love to see Curtis Samuel back there. But to your point, I just think it's because they value him highly. Mm-hmm. They didn't show it on the field with how much he got the ball, especially in the passing right. game. Right. But maybe Eric Bieniemy, when he comes in, Curtis Samuel will look like a third receiver mm. rather than a, a, a gadget guy. Right. Um, and I think I think that they'll probably try to keep him away. Then again, if you really need a moment where you really needed a return, like they would throw Tyreek Hill back there occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally. Um, I feel like you could do the same thing with both Curtis and Jahan if you need to. If we need a game changing punt return, when in doubt you have those guys, but maybe they look to get like a a really fast, shifty corner running back a receiver late in the draft that could be an explosive returner for us because there's quite a few in this draft class. So we need somebody. It may not be somebody, Curtis Samuel, yeah. but I'm not I'm not okay with just assuming Dax Milne is our starting punt returner going into the season. If he ends up being that, 
okay, but I wouldn't assume it going into the regular season. Please, no. Hey, man, shout out to Dev, man. Dev came out with his burner account, then he came back with his real account. He's out here fighting for his mans. Curtis Samuel, man, fight for your <laughs> mans, Dev. I feel you, man. I feel you, man. Big Curtis Samuel fan and Dev. <laughs> but the team didn't make a splash move, man. We made a splash move. We signed Marcus Kemp mm. last week. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing, though. Same size as Cam Sims, essentially, right? Yep. He's a guy that's pretty much done nothing, but he's been in that EB system for a long time. So here's a guy that can come in and coach up Terry, coach up all these receivers and say, hey, this is how this is supposed to be ran. Or when he calls this, this is what you need to do with precision and that. Yep. This guy could potentially be there all the way to the very last cuts just to kind of extract I, yep. all the knowledge that you can out of him. But then I heard he's a gunner. I heard he does some special team stuff, and that's Cam Sims who gives us no value outside of what he does when you can bring in a guy that knows the offense and then does a little bit of what Cam Sims does. Do you feel that that's an asset or do you think he's a guy that just here for his preseason, you know, the off season stuff and then he, and then he's gone thoughts on him. Well, to your point, I feel like his biggest asset is basically being an on the field coach and a good transition for a, a good buffer between Eric Bieniemy and the new receivers that he's acquiring, Terry McLaurin, John Dotson, all of those guys, how certain play calls, certain wordage, what you need to do, when you need to do it, where you need to do it, all of that type of stuff. So that's his biggest asset. But um, he is a great punt blocker. Um, I feel like from what I've seen so far, I like Cam Sims more on punt stopping, mm -hmm. like going down to make a tackle. Right. I like Marcus Kemp more blocking-wise on punt gotcha. returns when we're the ones receiving the ball. I feel like, I mean, if we have space for both, I would love to keep both for their mm -hmm. different reasons. But I do feel like this is the writing on the wall for Cam uh, Cam Sims. I feel like this pretty much – he survived different Man. coaching changes already. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he finds a way to survive this one too at this point. Right. Right. But I think this is finally it for him. Again, like you said, I think their only difference is that uh, Marcus Kent might be one inch shorter, but right. like they're same build, same receiver type and all of that type of thing. So um, I think he was brought here to basically be his replacement. But we'll see. I'm pretty sure Cam Sims at that very least is going to be on the 90 man roster. We'll see what happens when we start getting to those cuts in the training camp and the preseason and things like that. Absolutely, man. This has been an amazing show want to give a big shout out to my amazing guest street scores rico for just giving us his time today coming on the talking commanders with manny podcast and just talking washington commanders football rico you know how we get down we're gonna be doing this more as the season progresses man but thank you so much for coming on now if there's anybody who does not know who street score rico is probably live under under a rock or something or you probably don't <laughs> even watch tv or watch youtube but can you tell the people where they can find you Yes, sir. You can find me on YouTube, Street Scores, as you can see on the screen, and then on Twitter, Street Scores ATL. Um, thanks for having me, as always. Really fun. Love talking football, especially with people that know football. So just let me know anytime, man, and um, I'll pull up for sure. All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. We are out, man. Peace. Great episode. Great.